This episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience is brought to you by our new Insignia product line, Jumbo Mortgages for A-Paper Borrowers. Contact us today at info at fundloans.com for product details. On this episode, John Maddox speaks with award-winning entrepreneur, author, and real estate investor, Stefan Arnio. The two speak about how Stefan used only $1,200 to build a multi-million dollar portfolio, the number one rule in negotiations, best practices for successful mortgage brokers, and most importantly, why you need to respect the grind. Now, before we get to this episode, I want to let you know that Fund Loans is giving away several copies of Stefan's new book, Hard Times Create Strong Men. To enter this giveaway, head over to this episode's video on our Fund Loans YouTube channel and leave a comment. At the end of June, our marketing team will pick a few lucky winners. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. I'm here with Stefan. How's it going, Stefan? Very good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so talk to us about your um, respect the grind. I love that. Thanks, dude. Yeah, well, respect the grind is a, is a saying I've been saying. I'm a, I'm a real estate coach and investor. And I had a student some years ago, and he was saying, oh, Stefan, this isn't working. And, you know, I'm making my calls and my offers, and I'm just, I'm just not getting anywhere, and I don't think this whole thing works. And I said, Jason, you just got to respect the grind. It's going to take you 10 years and 10,000 hours to be a master. And why do you think that you can cut the line and get ahead of everyone who's been working at this for so long? So it's a... It's a saying to respect the process and respect that journey towards mastery. That's what it's really about. That's great, man. Yeah, it's true. It's so many people think that, you know, things can just fall into their, into their lap and then just come so easily when, when the truth is it's like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the overnight success, 10 years in the making kind of thing. Right. I mean, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of work to get to, you know, to success. And then kind of like, uh, I think Gary Vee says, you know, if you want to be in the 1%, you got to be, be willing to do, you know, 99% more than the rest, you know, the rest of the group. So, um, I, I, I agree. The grind is, uh, is, is very essential. Um, and you talk about, I think in your book or on your, on your pod, on your podcast and your sites that, uh, that you became a multimillionaire and you started with $1,200. Tell us about how, how you became a multimillionaire. Was it mostly real estate related or like really what drove that? Yeah, my first uh, first million dollars was real estate joint ventures. So I, I worked for a private equity company. I learned to raise money. And after leaving that company, I went on to the real estate game and uh, I did 12 joint ventures my first year with a coach. So I did one deal my first year in real estate. Second year, I did one deal, a little development. Third year, I did 12 deals, uh, investor deals with a coach. And then the next year, I did 24, 30. Uh, at one point, we're up to 50. And uh, my, I guess, notoriety and brand from doing that won me Rich Dad International Hall of Fame, which is a a pretty big award. You know, Rich Dad is the biggest personal finance brand in the world. Uh, You know, over 40 million people own that book, so big recognition. And uh, yeah, first million dollars was real estate joint ventures, which was, you know, buying, fixing, selling properties. 
Uh, I had some private partners who were multimillionaires and I would get some fees up front for doing the deal and we'd also split the profits or any whatever kind of iteration that was. And that was how I built you know, the base of what I'm doing now. That's great. So do you more of the buy and hold strategy? Is that your, your strategy or do you do both flipping and, and holding? So I've got, uh, I've got a buy and hold portfolio. Uh, several million dollars there. And then I've got, uh, you know, I, I had a company that was doing a big flipping pipeline. I'm just reorganizing that. I think we're going to come out with a, a, a company that's going to do like 100 deals a year. I'm building that with some of my students right now. And then, uh, you know, I'm doing wholesales every now and then. You know, contracts come in. You maybe don't want to do the deal yourself, but you know who does. So you assign and sell the contract to somebody else and make three, five, ten, twenty. I have a student who just made twenty-five thousand uh, dollars a couple of days ago on a wholesale in Ottawa, Canada. And then I have another student actually in Ottawa as well. Uh, he was doing a, a, a twenty thousand dollar wholesale. So that's something anybody can do from any city at any time, where you get a contract for a deal and you sell it, assign it to somebody else, and that's a great way to make money in real estate too. Interesting. So yeah, it's like you're the one that finds the deal, and you're able to you know pass that on or sell that or monetize that uh, that ability. So you kind of so it sounds like you're teaching secrets on on ways for people to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so my company's called Black Card University, and Black Card is a five-year program where anybody can join, um, and if they join, they can qualify. I mean, it's, it, we don't just really let anybody in, and over five years, you become a self-made millionaire in real estate through doing flips, raising capital, learning to sell, learning to negotiate. We're actually doing our negotiation class this, this weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that anybody can be a millionaire in five years if they put in the work and if they actually do the things they're supposed to Anybody can do it, you know. Uh, real estate's non-discriminatory. Money is non-discriminatory. The real question is just, are you going to do your push-ups and your sit-ups and the things required to win? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can. I don't know who who said it. Maybe it was you, but it was like you can read a book about push-ups, but but that's not going to help. You just got to get on your hands and knees and just you know go for it and do it and and uh, get your hands dirty. So that's that's absolutely something that we preach here. Uh, we just did a recent podcast on how I became a millionaire at thirty, and it was in five years, and 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 you know really really kind of reminiscent of what you're saying here, and and. It, so, you know, it's it's great. Uh, I, I want to definitely send my viewers to your site and and uh, have them you know check it out and and definitely see if there's any way that you know. So one of the things that uh, we do obviously is we're mortgage uh, wholesale lender and what we like to you know teach our mortgage brokers is unique ways on how they can find referrals, how they can find jumbo loans, what they have to do to go out and grow their business and grow who they you know who they their their sphere of uh, you know influence and their their network. Um, what what kind of helped you and you know as you were starting out to get you know a, a sphere of you know influence and have a, a good network that you could ref- get referrals from? Was there anything specific, or was just knocking on doors, just putting in the work? Was there anything that you know was extra kind of helpful and beneficial in that regard? So something I have my students do when I'm coaching them in real estate investing, uh, and I think it applies to any business, is. Uh, if I was in the mortgage business, I'd be doing 50 calls a day, uh, every day to just people I knew. And uh, I think you got to get really good at selling, get really good on the phone, because uh, deals in any any business come from networking, marketing, or negotiating. 
And so, you know, I teach my students in real estate investing 50 calls a week to people in real estate plus 10 offers in the market. Uh, if I was a mortgage broker, I'd do a minimum of 50 calls a day. So that's, that's my mentality around it. My sales guys in my office do up to 100 calls a day, sometimes more. Yep. And uh, an absolute minimum of 50. You gotta be dialing the phone like crazy. Now, I think the best way to get business is to build a brand. And so I built a brand through coaching, uh, not through coaching, but blogging. I was blogging everything I was doing. So I was documenting, this was like in 2011, 12, 13, I would start blogging. And uh, every day I put out a blog. I blogged for 120 days, like an 800 to 1,000 word article on whatever I was doing or whatever I was reading. And people really like liked the blog. They're like, man, this is a good blog. And after about 120 days, I had speaking engagements. I had people ask me to come to their clubs and, and talk. I had all sorts of like opportunity fall into my lap because I was putting out a lot of value in the marketplace. So we we're putting out value, value was coming back in. And then uh, I ended up making that into a book called Money People Deal, which has now sold over 20,000 copies of that book, which is crazy. Uh, awesome. In the year I raised $5 million for my own deals and uh, really kicked off my career by blogging, training and, and now I have a, a pretty nice education company that has grown out of those same blogs, man. Those blogs turned into a book and we're printed and selling that book every day. So really I think the best way is to get the cat to come to you. So get what the cat wants. Maybe it's some catnip, maybe <laughs> it's some cat food. Um, you know, the the cats in the in, in the investor market uh, they want information. The cats in the mortgage market who want uh, homes, they want information. So become a dealer of information. Become a person who builds value in his information, educates the market, and then you're going to have the most leads out of anybody. That's awesome. Definitely good advice there, man. Um, so talk to us about negotiations. I know you have something that's called the Ten Commandments of Negotiations. Uh, what What is one commandment that you always that you always see that's unsuccessful? Like, what's an unsuccessful uh, way to negotiate? We want to start with that, and then we can kind of talk about what's actually worked. Well, I think a lot of times it comes out of the ego getting out of control. Um, the first commandment of negotiation is get what you want and get out. So if you go into a negotiation knowing what you want and you're very specific about it, you say, this is what I want. Um, you know, it's very, it's really simple to be a negotiator when you try to help them and you tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And so those are the two things. Try to help them tell the truth. The first commandment of negotiation is get what you want and get out. When you get that thing, time to get out. Time right. to you know, just say, Hey, you know, okay, good deal. Shake on it. Move on. Um, what people do all the time is they end up, uh, what's the word? They end up going too far. They end up going talk their way out of it. Want. They like kind of they, they oversell and they like continue to, yeah, no, I know. I know some people like that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely yeah, a, like a lot of deals, a lot of deals. Exactly. They keep talking or something happens like past the point where the deal's <laughs> made and, and you got to get what you want and get out. That's really, I was originally going to call it that call the book that get what you want and get out. Um, it's called the 10 commandments of negotiation. But at the end of the day, I think that's the, the base of negotiating like you know if you just do that get what you want to get out life is good that's good yeah don't oversell don't give you know get, just once you get the yes move on move to the next the next thing so that's that's good advice too um so tell me a little bit like about your daily hustle what what 
does a normal day look like for you? Like what, like when do you, you know, when do you get up? What do you do? What, what's important to really maximize the daily hustle? Well, my, my daily hustle has changed a lot over the years. Um, when I was in real estate, I'd get up at 5 a.m. and I did the whole 5 a.m. routine. Um, when I started traveling and speaking, that really smashed my daily hustle because like you get on a plane at like 4 a.m. or you get up at 4 a.m. for a plane. and um, So it, it depends, man. I do my, my life in theme days. And so like on Thursday, I'll do my podcast and my content. Uh, you know, Monday's my coaching day. I coach my students on Monday. Uh, Tuesday is usually open, Wednesday's open, and then Friday, I try to keep that open. So I've got different theme days and I, I put flags on different days and say, this day, we're only doing this, and this day, we're only doing that. And that's uh, more of an entrepreneurial thing, I think, than mm-hmm. uh, maybe being a mortgage salesman. If you're being a mortgage salesman, every day can kind of be the same. Uh, when you start running a multi-seven or eight-figure enterprise, I think it's more theme days become a bigger thing mm-hmm. because switching between departments is really difficult um, to switch from management to sales to marketing to branding to fulfillment. Like those those switches are very hard on the psyche and, and that's why I do theme days. That's good. Very cool. Um, but you know, if you can remember back to the days when you were really trying to get, uh, where you were more of an agent, um, what, what would you say really made the difference in the hustle? Was it, uh, it was the 50 calls, but there, was there, was there anything else that you could share with our audience about how your yeah, hustle? Yeah, totally dude. The biggest thing is get a coach. Like really just get a motherfucking coach. So like, if you don't have a coach, go, you say, go get a coach. That's, that's one of the main things. Go like, like get, get the coach you can't afford. Hire the exact best guy. Hire the champion. Like, go find the guy at whatever it is you do who's the undisputed champion and pay him whatever it costs to get you to his level. That's awesome. That's like, that's like the easiest way. Now, here's the thing. Like, you know, I charge investors, you know, uh, to work with me direct is usually between sixty-three dollars and $75,000 for the year. Um, but guess what? If I can make you three hundred or 400000 it's worth it, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, that's like free. And, and like I used to be cheap about it when I was younger. I'd be like, oh, I don't want to spend the money. Well, I just paid a guy a hundred grand to build out a program for that's gonna make me one point six million. <laughs> so you gotta be like a think like a business owner, think in annual terms. Don't think in monthly and just say, hey man, who's the best? Who's the best at this thing I'm trying to do? Like if you if you're a mortgage broker, find the best mortgage broker in the world. And either you can either go work for him for free and be his bitch for a year or two, right. or you know if you don't want to do that, call him up and say, "Hey, man, I want to learn your game exact how you do it. What's that going to take?" And he might say, "I don't know, give me ten grand," or he might say, "I'll do it for free." Probably won't. He might or just tell you to fuck off. <laughs> well, not if you're paying. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know, and that and that's that's the reality. Like people who are really good at stuff, like their time is valuable. They don't want to hang out with you. They want to go home to their kids and play with their daughter and play with their dog and right. go for a nice life. They don't want to deal with you and your and your shit. So, if unless you, you pay them, if you call them up, well, that then it then it makes sense for them to sacrifice their very valuable time. Right. And so, so I what I'm saying to you in any industry is find the guy who's done it and pay him whatever it costs mm-hmm. to do it like him. And once you make that investment once, you get that for the rest of your life. So, 
you know, I think you can really win at anything like that. And that just comes back to investing in yourself, really. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you as a, as a professional, if you decide that you want to be the best or you want to make more money in your industry, you've got to do what 99% of the people won't do. And you got to go out and do that. I love that idea that go out and, and find a great coach and get, get that coach. I mean, if you don't do that, you're going to stay stagnant and be, you know, exactly where you were yesterday and the year before you're never going to change, never going to improve. So invest in yourself. That's what I'm hearing, hearing you say, is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to invest in yourself. And willing to, that, you got to take a risk, right? I mean, that's a, it's somewhat well, of a dude, risk. I mean, here's an example: Russell Brunson, who does, he's a nine-figure entrepreneur, spent seven hundred fifty grand on himself. So, like, some people go, "Oh my God, seven hundred fifty grand!" But if you're making a hundred million dollars gross, yeah, you know, seven hundred fifty grand, like almost a million dollars. Who who gives a shit? Like, who right. cares? You know, and I think that that's people are sort of thinking in annual terms and go. Okay, so if I spend like let's say fifty grand on a coach, but I make two fifty, who cares? Yeah, you know. Instead, they go, "Oh my god, it's fifty grand! I can't do that right now." Well, you never will. Right. And you never will. You never will have the money. You'll never be there. But it's always investing in the thing. Like, like look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk is trying to go to freaking Mars. <laughs> well, he doesn't have the money for that. He doesn't know how to do that. But he's fucking doing it. Um, you know, Richard Branson started Virgin Air. Well, he he just chartered a plane. Like the guy didn't have like a hundred million dollars sitting around. He just started making that happen. Right. And that's an entrepreneurial thing. Like you're never gonna have the money. You're never gonna have the resources. You're always outgunned. So you might as well just say fuck it and just start doing it. Right. That's I love it. I love that Richard Branson story too. I read his book. He's he's a the guy's awesome. He's an animal, but he's well, smart. Yeah, it, I mean, to go back to Richard Branson, like he went to the bank and he wanted like I don't know like three hundred grand or nine hundred grand to put TVs on his planes, <laughs> and they said no. They rejected him for the loan. So he went back to the he went back to like Boeing or something. And he said, "Hey, how much to build a new fleet of planes with TVs installed?" Well, they threw it in for free. So he went to the bank and he said, "Hey, I want to replace my whole fleet." And they said, "Okay," and they gave him the loan. <laughs> so you know, it's just just like this outside the box thinking. Like they won't not- give me three hundred grand whatever for my TVs. Well, let's just replace the whole fleet. Yeah. And not just taking no for an answer. And just, you know, if, if you hit a wall, there's a window, there's a door somewhere else. There's another way to get around it. Like you, you've got to, you've got to be able to, to not just, you know, go, go pout in your room. If you get a no, you know, you got to be able to be thicker skinned than that and just, and then and, and be creative and have a little bit of an optimistic mind so that you, you know, that there's a way, right. If someone else is out there doing it, if someone else out there is, is selling, you know, 50 houses in a, in a, in a month or doing 50 loans in a month, then it can be done. And you just have to have that mindset. I think to, that you can, if someone else can do it, why can't you do it? If you put in the work, right. You put in the time. Exactly. That's what it's all about. It's all about, it's all about finding that, that way. And sometimes the way doesn't exist. You know, like again, come back to Elon Musk, he's going to Mars. Nobody's yeah. been to Mars. There's no Nobody's roadmap. Done it. The, the, the government hasn't done it. There's no recipe. Um, I'm doing some things right now in my company that there's no recipe for. It's never been done before. And it's scary because there's this whole unknown to the whole thing. Nobody's ever done it. And it might be a total piece of crap, or it could be the thing that changes the world. And that's the essence of entrepreneurship. I know the people listening to this call are mortgage brokers and not necessarily entrepreneurs, but um, I think the goal with being a real estate agent or mortgage broker or house flipper is to become an entrepreneur and get out of that and not stay there forever. 
Yeah, I think most mortgage brokers, uh, they, they are, in, in essence, entrepreneurs because they have to run their own business. They have to... No, but they're not. No, 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 they're, they're not. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're self-employed in some sense. You know, they're... They're, they're brokers. Now, let me define entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has an actual product, okay? Mortgage brokers brokering products. So he's a salesman. Right. He's a salesman of a product. If he had... Now, if a, if a mortgage broker said, okay, we're going to create our own fund... And we're going to raise capital from investors and we're going to create a big marketing system and all sorts of stuff. Maybe he could call himself an entrepreneur, but it's like a realtor. A guy who sells homes is not an entrepreneur. He can say he's like an entrepreneur. He might think like one, but a guy who creates something or makes a product or, you know, that's a real entrepreneur versus just a salesman. Yep. Good point. And so... And, yeah, and there's a difference. There's a true line between sale, uh, uh, a self-employed person and an entrepreneur. You can be self-employed and not be an entrepreneur all day long. Uh, to be an entrepreneur, you're right. You have to create something. You have to make something. And 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 yeah, it's it's more risk for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I think. You know, my point was that I that was a lot of people are self-employed and responsible for their own, you know, business. Yeah, they go out, they you know, they they pick a niche, you know, maybe of the business that they want to focus in. But most mortgage brokers, they do take kind of whatever comes their way and they market and they blast market and they don't have as there's not as much of the niche well, kind of no production department in that in that business. There's no production. It's sales and marketing only sales marketing sales marketing sales marketing you never like have to go to the factory and fix the widgets right right it's like oh shit the widget machine's broken like that never happens to a mortgage broker you know he's got 50 lenders or whatever right he calls them up he says hey man do you want this deal yeah you do okay paper it up done next deal comes in it's transactional and i think that what i was my statement was you got to transform Mm-hmm. And transformationally change into something more. You right. know, I have a um, an actual education company that I grew from the ground up, and that was that's a brutal process, man. It cost me a million dollars to build this thing I've got right now. I believe it. And I'm looking at, it, I'm going, like, oh my god! And then I'm investing another three hundred grand into it right now, just into infrastructure. And I'm like, oh my god! You know, someone who's a broker of something would never invest like that in themselves. They would just say, well, I'm a broker. I'm just going to keep hustling and. I'll work Saturday, but the difference between an entrepreneur is they're building something usually, right. whereas a broker is just selling shit. <clears throat> and it could be selling candles out of the back of your trunk, or it could be selling, uh, it could be selling mortgages, or it could be selling homes, or whatever. Yeah. But there's a there's a huge difference there between those two animals. I love how you 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 uh, respect the, the the word entrepreneur. I love that. It's it's something that we take for granted. So many people want to be entrepreneurs. They want to have their name is founder or like you know entrepreneur and and it it's it is it's different than just being self-employed and it's different than than just being a salesperson or a marketing person it's it's uh it, it, it there's a whole world of things that are different about it and yes a mortgage broker could become an entrepreneur in their business and create something and, and do something I, I challenge mortgage brokers to do that I mean I think that's there, there's something to that 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 you you know you're you're pointing out that I, I think resonates with me is like yeah I mean 
you need to separate yourself from just the run of the mill mortgage brokers out there. There's so many mortgage brokers that just sort of, you know, live their life on autopilot and just do whatever, you know, the market's doing. They, they ride the wave of the market versus saying, no, I'm going to pick this niche or I'm going to pick this part of the market and just focus and crush it and, and, and not be someone that's blown by the wind in the market. I mean, because the truth is, you know, you can make a lot, like I think the majority of the mortgage broker community make a lot of money when the rates are low and then they they suffer it's like feast or famine they suffer when the rates are high but you know i've always been one of those that just goes out and finds you know where different parts of the market where you can make money all the time whether or not the rates are high or low and and whatnot so you know it i do challenge you know our listeners to 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 definitely look into that that type of business become become an entrepreneur if it's in you to do it, you know, I mean, do you think anyone could be an entrepreneur or do you think it's something that has DNA uh, attached to it? Just you're curious. I think theoretically anyone could, but I don't think anyone will. Um, right. You know, it's like, it's like saying like men and women are equal. Well, in theory, uh, you could say that they are, but in reality, it's not even close. Um, and so the theory is anyone could be an entrepreneur. Yes, in theory, anyone can. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like real ones, are driven by pain. Uh, they they went through like maybe they were like an immigrant or they had nothing. Like myself, I was I had nothing. I was desperate, and I became an entrepreneur and just started running as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. So I don't think people choose entrepreneurship. Like usually, entrepreneurs they have a lot of pain. They've got dead parents, incompetent parents. Um, they're addicted to risk. They have all sorts of like mental uh, <laughs> entrepreneur diseases are bipolar, ADD, uh, ADHD. There's all sorts of like uh, depression, anxiety. There's all these like things that go with being an entrepreneur. And I don't think, I think entrepreneurs kind of like the, the new rock star. It's a cool thing. Guys like Gary Vee or Grant Cardone or mm-hmm. Kyle Lopez make it super cool to be an entrepreneur. But I think it's the hardest thing. I think that's the hardest thing. Like, I could have just stayed as a house flipper guy and, you know, had a super good life. I could have stayed as a joint venture guy who had a rental portfolio, had a super good life. When I went into the full-blown entrepreneurship and building what I'm building right now, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much harder than it looks. It's so much more scary. It costs so much more money. And uh, I'm built for it. You know, for me, I'm, I'm – it's the only game I play. But – a lot of people see that they want it and it's a fantasy and if if you're a fantasy person i think you're better off to have a job you know because this is something that will take everything you have and yep. then more and more and more and more and i'll go back to elon musk i mean the guy put 100 million into his companies or whatever it was and it's taking more and more and more and more and it will absolutely consume your life mm-hmm. maybe consume you 99% chance of failure over 10 years and you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have children and they don't recommend that their children become entrepreneurs because it is, it is motherfucking hard, dude. And <laughs> I'm seriously. riding the lion and I help others ride the lion. I train people in entrepreneurship, but I wouldn't just say to anybody, oh, go do this. Cause it's like going to war, you know, like you don't just tell your children to go to war. War is hard. Yeah. And so, so I don't true. think that it's something that is meant for everybody at all. Man, that's good stuff. So, um, your, I think one of your posts, or maybe it's on your book. I think I saw it, where um, you know how tough times create strong men, uh, and I'm sure I'm 
you know, butchering that, but, but it, it you know, the whole <laughs> hard times, creates, hard, hard times, yes, creates strong men. that yeah, I love it. You know, um, it, it is absolutely true. One thing that my son, and he was at, I think it was at 12 years old when he said this, or maybe 11, he said, you know, cause we were watching like gladiator or something like that. He said, dad, why is it that the, the sons of Kings are always weak? <laughs> and I was just like, bingo, man, he nailed it on the head. And I was like, because they got the cush life and they don't, and then life's too easy, right? They got servants, they got maids, they got things just handed to them. And uh, I was like, you know, that's a very, very good point, you know? And, and what you just said about entrepreneurs, like they had pain, they had a hard time, they had something that, that, that drives them, right? You know, that, that's absolutely true. And, and I mean, so, so when, what do you recommend if someone does have like, you know, like how ca- can you change a son of a king into a warrior? I mean, what do they have? Do they have to go through hard times? I mean, or is there a way that they could get it in their mind to say, you know what, I'm going to fucking just, I'm going to figure this out. Uh, or cause, cause I think you're right. It naturally creates strong men if it's a hard time, but is there a way where you could tweak that or get, you know, game the system and, and, and become strong, even if you, you've kind of have a, you've had a good life. Well, it's hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. That's the cycle of history. And it's about an 80 year cycle. And each, each line of that poem is 20 years. And, uh, can anybody, or how do we make the, the prince strong? And the answer is, you know, I, I, I'm a high performance coach. I, I make people into millionaires over five years and I kick, uh, people hire me to kick their ass. And so I kick their ass. And uh, it's one of those that I get two types of clients. I get the self-made, starting out with nothing guy, you know, hero's journey, like I'm gonna, just conquer the world, like starting out with nothing kind of guy. And that's like, it's like the story of Oedipus. Every man has to kill his father and marry his mother. (laughs) And so that's a big struggle. Like if you have a really good dad, like Donald Trump, for example, his father was a hundred million dollar man. Well, he had to step out of his father's shadow and become a billionaire. Right. And Donald Trump had like, I think four or five other siblings who are not billionaires. So (laughs) those other men who are his brothers didn't step out of the shadow of dad. Right. And so that's a man's struggle against himself is to kill his father and marry his mother, find a, a woman like his mother and straight up kill his father. You know, that's, that's the, straight up kill his father in uh, outproducing him or becoming different or more than his father was. That's the struggle of being a man. Mm-hmm. And so the tough thing, like going back to the movie Gladiator with Commodus, who followed Marcus Aurelius, the greatest emperor of Rome, who ruled at the height, hard to follow that act that's the best act so you know his way of trying to beat his dad was create the games and the gladiators and Commodus was just an unprincipled man and you know um, Marcus Aurelius studied with the greatest men of his time and he was a great philosopher and we still read his book Marcus Aurelius's meditations today mm-hmm. and I quote meditations over and over again in hard times create strong men I don't co- I don't quote Commodus Commodus the prince of the the king he really sucked so, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, but, but there are guys who win. Like, for example, Alexander the Great, 
he and he inherited the greatest army in the world, the Macedonian army, and he conquered the whole world by 30. Uh, Donald Trump is like a, an Alexander the Great, and if you go to his Trump Tower, he's got Alexander the Great art everywhere because he is the Alexander the Great. He inherited the best real estate company, mm-hmm. and he built, you know, he got world domination out of that. He's the president of the United States. Like, officially on paper, he's the most powerful man in the world. You know, under yep. the table, maybe there's more powerful people, but that's an Alexander the Great story where he inherited the greatest opportunity and made it even greater. So if you're a rich kid or if you're a son of a king, you got to look to Alexander the Great or a guy like Donald, Donald Trump who's building that Alexander the Great story. Absolutely. No matter what your opinion is of Donald Trump, you've got to admit that he has become the most famous person in the world. I mean, the guy, you know, infamous or famous, however, you know, you like him or not. I mean, the guy has done more than anyone else. I mean, the guy lives off of me. He, he plays the media like a fiddle and he. Well, I mean, and you know what? Fake news will never admit that. The fake news will never admit that. So that's why yeah. people are divided on him because there's fake news. Right. And that's that's just simply it. I mean, the guy is he's the real deal. Um, he's a self-made billionaire, for God's sakes. Like the guy is the real deal in every way. He's so real that he shouldn't even be in politics because you look at all the other scumbags and lowlifes and degenerates and whores in politics. He's not like them at all. Right. Um, and it's amazing because fake news out there will actually beat the shit out of him every day. And he just keeps on winning. So, you know, good for you, fake news. <laughs> absolutely. Do you think he'll win again in 2020? I know this definitely affects the mortgage absolutely. business. Yes, yeah. absolutely. A hundred million percent because there's a power vacuum on the other side of the table. The Democrats have no good leader. And there's a bunch of guys fighting for power over there. And it's the divided. Yeah. Is more famous than ever, more powerful than ever. And he's doing great things. He's doing this, the country a great service. And it, he absolutely will get a second term. So, you know, some people say he's a time traveler. <laughs> there's a book out there. What is it? The last president from the year 1800 that says he's the last president. But who knows, man? I mean, I have my own thoughts in my book, Hard Times Create Strong Men, on that. But uh, Donald Trump is certainly a strong man, and he certainly is uh, fighting back against some of the bullshit out there. Definitely, man. I agree. So I'm going to read your book. We're going to do a giveaway with our listeners and and viewers, and we're going to get your book out there uh, to our community. And I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you want to leave us with as far as uh, I, I got from this? You know, we get, get yourself a coach. Pony up the money. Don't be a, a wimp and say, I'm, I can't afford it. Get yourself a good coach. Uh, you know, call 50, make 50 calls or more a day. Don't be, you know... Don't don't be someone that says you can't do it because you can, and you know be be like Alexander the Great. Is there anything else that you do you think that we're missing that we could, you know that Mike that our community could 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 thrive off of? Uh, you got to hustle, uh, get your book because I'm sure that's going to help. But but anything last any last words you want to leave us with? Yeah, you know get the book at hardtimestrongmen.com. That's hardtimestrongmen.com, and uh, you know anybody can win if they put their mind to it. Uh, but you know, only so many choose to do that. And that's, that's the real difference is you can choose to be a champion or you can choose to not. So respect the grind and go to hardtimestrongmen.com. Well, thanks for coming on and like, share and subscribe everybody. And we'll see you on the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's Fun Loans together.